0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode two of the More Than Corporate podcast. Um, today, I have Corey Drumright with me. He is the co-owner and lead, um, mastermind lead trainer at Tough Mutter Boot Camp Las Vegas, and he's a huge part of my story, so I am super excited for you guys to hear from him and for him to motivate and inspire you guys the same way that he does me. So, with that that being said, let's jump right into the interview. How you doing, Corey? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Great.
1: Uh, thanks for adding all that extra pressure, like motivate your entire audience uh, based off of this first episode. It's like four people, so you good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cool. I'm happy to be here. I, I want to say I want to first toast to you. I've got a glass of whiskey, uh, three fingers, and over some ice, and uh, with my favorite. Uh, Cocktail, and I just want to say congratulations. That I'm super proud of you for in, taking on this endeavor. And I know that you're going to be completely awesome, and you're going to help inspire a lot of people to improve their lives in many different ways.
0: Awesome, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. High five, too. High five. inspiration. Yep. Okay, so um, you have been a huge <clears throat> part in kind of my journey through coaching me and. Tough mutters and telling me that Tough mutter halves are worthless and um, I shouldn't do them and I should just go for the full and I want you to be able to kind of bring that into um, this podcast and inspire everybody. So you um, are currently the co-owner and mastermind behind Tough Mudder Boot Camp Las Vegas. Um, have you always known that you wanted to be in the gym industry, the fitness
1: industry? Absolutely not. So no. Matter of fact, for the majority of my life, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so, and I would just follow a general path and, um, my opportunities would present themselves and, uh, I used to work in, uh, campaigns and elections. And then I worked in, uh, facilities, maintenance, property management. And then after that, I worked in the fitness industry. Um, and basically I, I just followed, followed the road where where it went and just had some amazing uh, experiences in, on my journey
0: that's awesome um what was your least favorite job that you've had and how
1: least favorite job i've had um let's see uh, well right i i was in the right out of high school i went into the marine corps and i was there from 1994 to 1998 uh hashtag dating myself and then Immediately getting out of there, I moved back to Colorado and I worked in the mailroom for the Colorado School of Mines, which is a very prestigious engineering college in Golden, Colorado. And uh, definitely not my forte. I was there for, uh, gosh, I don't even remember how long, but either way, it was too long a period of time. It was miserable. I, w- I would say that was my, my least favorite job ever.
0: So now I want to know what skills you took from your least favorite job, what you learned there that kind of led into you having what I would call your dream job, but that's just me watching you growing. That was life. that was
1: more of a stopgap. <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, allow me to have some income until I find uh, the next, the next gig. But uh, um, what did I learn from that? I, you know, I like the way you phrase that there was my boss who at the time he was we all thought he was nuts and crazy but that guy was spending all of his time with his family to like he was paying triple mortgage every month so he was so laser focused on getting out of debt and uh setting up his retirement and everything with his family we all thought he was crazy and this is well before i had ever heard of Dave Ramsey or any, anything like that. Um, so what did I, I learned? I don't, I don't learn from that, but I think that was my first exposure to doing something radical outside of the given norm of society to really put yourself in a position to be successful and achieve stuff.
0: That's awesome. So you mentioned the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. um, did you always know you wanted to go into the Marine Corps? Was that always in the cards for you or how did that happen?
1: Um, no, no, I didn't. Um, so I, my exposure to the Marine Corps had been my, my best friend in, in junior high. Uh, he was always fascinated with the Marines and becoming a Marine force recon and he had all these posters and he'd been talking to recruiters and they're like, kid, we can't do anything for you until you get of age and all that stuff. So he was like, he like, gung-ho Marines. And because he was my best friend, I just was exposed to that all the time. I'm pretty sure if he would have been all about the Navy or the Air Force or something, maybe I would have gone down that road. Uh, but flash forward to when I'm a uh, senior in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do after graduation. But what I did know is that if I went to college right away, I was gonna flunk out. And I wasn't mentally uh, mature enough to be in that position and I wanted to make sure that I did something, so I didn't become a deadbeat loser. And I was outside of uh, the school one day, playing uh, football with some friends, and it just happened to be the ASVAB day, and the Marine recruiter was walking into the building, and we're like, hey, cash, and we threw him the ball, and he's he's got a ton of papers in his arms, and he just instantly let go of all of it, and just splattered all over, the, all over the ground, and he caught the ball, and that, that carried a lot of weight with me and my friends. So we ran over, we helped him pick up all of his papers and everything, and he started asking us our names. And he goes, Oh, Mr. Drumride, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And so uh, <laughs> it's bad up, when they know your name before you've even enlisted. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So he, um, we set up a time because he had to go in and, and administer the, the ASVAP test. And we set up a time for us to meet privately after afterwards. And I went in and two hours later, ran home, and told mom's like, hey, mom, I want to join the Marine Corps, but I'm too young. I need your authorization and signature. <laughs> and she's like, I want to meet this recruiter. And then she went and met with him. And um, she's like, it's ultimately your decision. What do you want to do? And I said, I think it's a good plan. Let's do it. That's and awesome. It was, it was honestly, it was, it was one of the best decisions of my entire life.
0: That's so cool. So I want to hear more about the Marine Corps, but there's something that you said that really stuck out at me that um, I think is super important to touch on. And that's the fact that you mentioned that if you went to college right out of a high school, you knew you were going to flunk out. And I think that that is super um, crazy and amazing to have that kind of insight. We, I think our generation for sure was kind of pushed that you graduate from high school and you go into college and being kind of contrary to that and saying, if I do that, I'm gonna fail. How did you come to that decision that it was okay to go against the norm to do something different because it's best for you? Uh,
1: because I was middle to the lower spectrum of my graduating class. Uh, I've always been a a social butterfly and uh, cared more about really interacting with friends on on a more social level. I've only, I was decent in school. Uh, Honestly, if I really applied myself on subjects that I was interested in, I I excelled. Um, But I think I I knew I had the self-awareness at that time That I'm getting by because my mother was making sure with every ounce of her being that I was going to graduate high school no matter what. And, you know, thank God that she did Um, because it could have went real south. It could have went real south. But I knew that if I went up to college, I wouldn't have that. And I needed the discipline. Um, And if I wasn't going to get that in college, where else was I going to get that?
0: That's awesome. So going into the Marine Corps, um, you obviously had this idea of what you expected it to be like when you were all yeah. going how to go. Was it what you expected? Was it different, better?
1: Um, I would, it was, obviously it's different because you, you, no one really knows what they're, what they're getting into. In, unless your, your direct parent is uh, a member of the military and you grow up a dependent as that, then you do not know what life is really going to be like. We all, all of us, focus on that three months of boot camp, and obviously for the other branches, it's not three months, but for the Marine Corps, it is. Uh, but we only focus on well, what, what are we going to do during those three months? How are we going to make it through boot camp? And that's really just a blip on the screen of your entire military life. I mean, it's a very significant impact, and it's going to help mold you um, into the military lifestyle, but it's so minor compared to everything else that you're going to do. And I knew that I was going to travel the world and see things and grow, but I had no idea. Um, And there was a lot of positives, a lot of uh, things that to this day give me a lot of pause. And uh, I care very deeply for anyone who lives in in the military, in any branch. But I understand we all have our our flaws as well. So I would say the thing uh, that probably surprised me the most is – and let me backtrack real quick because everyone who's really listening is probably more post-9-11. And I was in in 1994 to 1998, uh, which was during the Clinton administration relatively time of peace, and they were doing – uh cutbacks and everything is just how much like ordinary life it actually was um you know we had our job that we went to and then we went home in the evenings my home it was the barracks uh which is like dorm life for college um but for the most part it was just a regular job and i had all these wonderful experiences and uh, I'm, i'm extremely grateful for it
0: what were some of your biggest takeaways from your time in the military
1: how much fraud, waste, abuse uh, is actually occurring in, in our in just government in general um, And some of the bonds that they, they really talk about how how deep of friendships that you're going to make and people are going to do that and I imagine in colleges and fraternities and stuff. Uh, but there is a, a very close friend of mine uh, who we met in uh, our training and I honestly consider him my brother. So to me, he is as much my brother as my biological sister is my relative. So that I did not expect.
0: Awesome. So you left the military, you said that you did some time in politics. What was that like?
1: That was one of the most insane, amazing, crazy experiences of my life, and after getting out of the military, nothing lived up to the military like working in campaigns and elections did. I honestly felt like I was back in the Marine Corps in in a very positive way. Um, you really build up that sense of camaraderie, being on a campaign, and it's us against them, and we've got this common goal, and we're sacrificing and putting in hours. I was honestly and I'm not exaggerating on this, putting in anywhere from 18 to 21 hours, 22 hour days, as obviously, you know, you get closer to the campaign and every single decision you make is so important. Um, I would start the day and I would have a yellow notepad and I'd write down all the things that I had to accomplish uh, for that day. And it was this very long list. And then I'd look at that list and know that there's about a quarter of it that I'm not going to have time to deal with at all. And everything on that list was highly critical, and it must happen that day. So you would have to look at it and say, what can I sacrifice? Because with a campaign, you have a very strict deadline that um, once election day, there, it's all done. So if there was something that you were looking at on that list and it's like it's not going to happen, I'm never going to have an opportunity to go back and correct it because the very next day I would have a brand new list of all these other things that I absolutely had to take care of. And, um, it, it was one of the most rewarding, (laughs) once again, it's just like being in the Marine Corps. It's, it was so great. And, and it's equally as frustrating and upsetting. And, uh, you, you really get, Really get in the mix, and I, I absolutely loved it, and I'm very thankful I'm no longer a part of it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So I know you and I have talked um, a lot about the role that comfort zones and failure and all this plays in it, and with you talking about having this list of things, and you didn't have a chance to go back and do it differently that because there was a new list of things that was going to come later. How did that um, maybe not doing things the way that you would have wanted to the first time, and maybe being considered a failure if that's what you want to call it, um, and then. Getting getting better. And so your trial and error to be able to be successful, how did that impact how you have now lived your life?
1: Um, I would say that it definitely helped with prioritization of responsibilities. So I would look at that list and yes, that list was, was new every, every, every single day. Um, But I would, I would be able to look at that list and say, these are the absolute most critical. What can I, what can I get away with not doing? And in that regard, it, it helped with that lack of fear of failure. Um, as long, the one thing about working in campaigns and elections is that someone is putting their life out into the public. Okay. And they're, they're sacrificing so much whether it be financial resources, their their public reputation, their family life, a lot, a lot of sacrifices are made for them running for that position. Obviously, like the same Spider-Man with great <laughs> uh, power comes great responsibility. Uh, so I always looked at it as that they were entrusting me with their life. So I was going to do everything I absolutely could. Uh for them to be successful. And if we lost, because then that's the thing in campaigns and elections, you could do everything right. I can I could put in 22, 23, 24 hour days and just go nonstop. And let's say I even completed my list and, and did everything I possibly could. At the end of the day, that person is gonna go into the voting box and they're gonna vote however they, they choose. And we're gonna do everything we can to persuade them to uh, go towards our, our candidate, uh, But you never know what what they're ultimately going to decide. And obviously, you can look at polls and all that stuff, but I'm not talking about that. And so I just wanted to know, our candidate, to know that I left everything out on the field. And if, for whatever reason, we lost, that I gave my very best. And it wasn't my responsibility uh, for that.
0: So it's so crazy because I know in a ton of the conversations we've had, and I know that you have had them with other people as well, when you're talking about training for an obstacle course race or training just for life to be able to be fit and do what you want to do, you hear all the time from people that you need to follow up with the process. And did that help you be able to um, do what you're supposed to do, know that you can't control the outcome, but you have to be able to take these steps right now and then hope that everything else falls into place.
1: No, um, not I wouldn't say that, that part of falling in love with the process. I didn't, I didn't really have that ingrained with me at that point. Um, no, I wanted to work my ass off uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted my candid- candidate to win, um, but more importantly, I also knew that I was establishing my reputation and so the harder i worked and the thing about it in, in campaigns and elections is that that is really a young person's sport uh most people don't realize that really the federal government is ran by very young <laughs> 20-somethings uh, they, they they really do <laughs> that's the, 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 the grunt work of, of, of everything um but when i started working in campaigns and elections it wasn't until uh i was in my 30s and so i was essentially competing with people who were at least 10 years, my, my junior. And so like they were fresh out of high school or just, uh, uh, graduating college. And I had already had a wealth of experience. So, and I wanted to use that to my advantage. So I knew, uh, there was a lot about life and responsibilities and uh, the important things of you know how you presented yourself and showing up on time, showing up early, how to network with certain people. I'd already learned some of those skills and was able to apply it. So all the all the back end work of knowing how to do the job, I knew I could pick up that quickly. All right, um, and I needed to ramp up not just in this election. Uh, but in subsequent elections that I didn't want to stay at the bottom rung, I didn't have time to stay at that bottom rung. I needed to move up the ladder rapidly. And I was going to use my prior experience in, into being able to do that. So I wanted to pick a, a, a race or a candidate where I would be able to take on more responsibilities and learn more of the, uh, more of the other duties and, uh, be able to grow. And that's, that's exactly what happened. So, um, getting back back to your original point though of about the process uh falling in love with the process no I, I i didn't learn that there and i didn't really i didn't really learn that more until later on and it's only been a, a couple of years but it hasn't really been ingrained until very recently um even though i've done some of that with some other things
0: so eventually you find your way into um the fitness industry. And, um, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was tied to your, um, desire to run obstacle course races. And then just kind of, because I remember you used to tell us all the time when we were training with you that like, you just kept showing up and eventually they asked you to come teach a class. And so how did you, um, get into the fitness industry and then leading up to the amazing position you have now at Tough Mudder Boot Camp?
1: Well, after after working in, in campaigns and elections, um, I, I was completely burned out. I was I was fed up with with, with some of the the process and and the stuff behind the scenes, and I just wasn't I just wasn't happy. And I wanted to be able to have an actual life. I was committing so much myself to just the election, and and the candidates that I wasn't really fulfilling that work life balance. And I wanted more of it, especially because I was getting older. Um, and so I already – I had ran a couple Tough Mudders, and I was – I really loved it. it. For those that don't know, Tough Mudder is a, a 10 to 12-mile military-style obstacle course race that challenges uh, – your, your fears and your endurance, and it promotes teamwork and camaraderie. And the obstacles are designed for you to work together. And also, if you're afraid of heights, they've got high stuff. If you're afraid of confined spaces, they got tight things for you to crawl through. Uh, if you're afraid of the dark, they got other stuff, all right? For those people who aren't afraid of anything, uh, they've got electrical wires that you have to run through. And that stuff hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, it um, does. So it's something for, for everyone. And when I ran ran my very first one, I really got in touch with with my my true spirit, and it was like meeting that ten year old Corey for the first time. He was out there playing on the playground playground and didn't have those those cares uh, in the world and everything, and I loved it. And it was really great because uh, at the time I was more of a real button up guy and, and wearing suits and and button downs all that stuff. And it was great for me to just get dirty in the mud and have my shoes and shirt and everything just kind of caked in it. And that's exactly what you did. But at at the end, it was being on the course and seeing all these strangers pull together for a common goal and helping out other people that they have never met before, helping them reach their goals and overcome their fears and and, uh, facing their challenges. And you're never gonna see some of these people ever again and it didn't matter. You just wanted to make sure that they made it through. And in, in return, those people were gonna help, help you and other people. And at the end of the day, it was the best aspects of campaigns and elections uh, that, that I was getting out of that. I ended up getting it out of obstacle course racing. And so fast forward, I get out of obstacle, or excuse me, out of campaigns and elections. And I wanted to take some just time off and just get to know myself again. And so, uh, I'd taken a few months and had enough money saved up. I was just going to, uh, just get in touch with myself. And so I was working out, uh, in Las Vegas and, uh, this gym opened up. It was one of the only obstacle course gyms in the entire nation. And it was brand new. And I I went down there, uh, the first week they opened up, bought a membership and started training there just, just a little bit. They offered, uh, couples. An event called the, uh, the rhino ruck and went and participated in that you know they invited me to, to be a part of it because they knew my military background and everything and just how i was inside the gym just very friendly and cool with everybody and it was a 24 hour uh we had to do 50 miles of carrying a, a pack on our back uh with weight in it and uh we had to do five boot camp classes within that 24-hour period around town that we would essentially march to and In the middle of the night when we're all in a bunch of pain and none of us had done, it was like eight of us. There was only one person who'd really ever done this before, Uh, but the rest of us, it was completely new and we're all in pain. We're all tired and we're in the middle of nowhere. And at that point, it's just like, all right, we need to rethink this. All right. I knew that our mindset was off. So I just pulled everybody together. Like, listen, we've been talking about this all day long. Right? We knew that this time was gonna come up. It's the middle of the night, we're tired, we're in pain. Now is the time for us to really shine. We wanted this challenge, so let's face it. Let's get excited. This is where we're at. I believe in us, you believe in you. Uh, you know, It's like, let's dig deep. Let's embrace this and overcome this because the reward is gonna be amazing. So get excited about this. And they're like, yeah! And so <laughs> we're like, Ryan, I'm tough on three, one, two, three, and we did it and everything. And uh, a couple days later, uh, the owner of the gym who was on that with us, she pulled me aside and she's like, hey, you know, I love your spirit. And especially what you did in the middle of the night really exposed who you're true, who you truly are and what your nature is. Because at that time, there's no more faking it. Like right. you, you are who you really are at that time. And she goes, and that's exactly who you were. And you've got this great gift. I want you to, I want you to be a part of my team and share that with us. And that's how I started working in fitness.
0: That's awesome. And I mean, anybody who has done any type of endurance, anything, I mean, endurance obstacle races are crazy. Um, you inspired me to do my first world's toughest mudder or my only world's toughest mudder to date. Um, but I can speak from experience in saying that you learn a lot, like a shit ton about yourself. When you are down, it's, you know, midnight, two, three in the morning, you want to go to sleep. You know, you can't go to sleep and you got to keep pushing forward. Like you learn who you are in those moments. And so to be able to rally people together like that is pretty insane. So I'm going to kind of throw you out here for just a minute and tell everybody my favorite story of you with Tough Mudder as far as inspiration is concerned. And I hope you remember this because I'm going to let you take over if you do, but I ran my first Tough Mudder um, in October of 2016 and then we volunteered as a group the next day on Sunday and I was, um, I told you I was going to come on Saturday, that I was going to come volunteer the next day, which was Sunday morning. And I was laying in bed and I couldn't move. Like this Tough mutter was more physical activity than I had really ever done at a time. And I was sore and I wasn't really used to being sore. So I was picking up my phone to message you to tell you that I was not going to come. And you, I get this message from you that's like, I hope you're on your way. And I'm like, and I read it in your voice, like this motivational. I just wanted to like throw it against the wall. But we had this amazing day of volunteering with kids. And we had some really cool stories and experiences there. But at the end of the day, do you remember the girl that wouldn't jump <clears throat> off a frequent flyer and the experience that happened with that?
1: So. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. And uh, matter of fact, Sean Corvell, who those of those of the people, uh, the people inside the the, the Tough Mudder community um, know exactly who Sean is. Uh, he's the hype man that leads everyone out of the starting gate. He gets them all pumped up and goes. Um, And Sean is loved and revered by the entire Tough Mudder community. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to call him a friend at this point. And Sean – Takes every opportunity he can to remind me of that event. And it's only because he's reminded me enough times <laughs> that I that I actually remember that.
0: So before you jump into it, I want to set the scene for people who have not done Tough matters before. So um frequent flyer was the finisher obstacle in 2016. So Tough Mudder has a finisher obstacle every year and that normally changes. So they normally have two finisher obstacles. One is electroshock therapy, which is like the rite of passage for any Tough Mudder person. Um, And then they have a Legionnaire finisher obstacle, which you can do if you've already done one Tough Mudder. So you've done electroshock therapy, you can do something else. Yeah,
1: Essentially, if you're tired of getting electrocuted, you don't have to do it anymore. You're like, (laughs) enough of this crap. Right. Let's do so, something
0: fun. So the frequent flyer was the Tough Mudder finisher obstacle in 2016, and it was I would say about 35 feet high and with a 15 foot air mattress. So it was like a 20 foot drop. With that, is that yeah, about right? You uh, think?
1: Essentially, like something that a stump a stump person yeah. would jump into. So it's not
0: something you're going to hurt yourself on. Like no. it's safe. However, like it's a it's it's a mine. Like you you really really question and for me who is terrified of heights but less terrified than I used to be because of you um I um like it it was crazy so basically you have about this 15 to 20 foot drop um and then there's things that are hanging down that if you aren't afraid to jump, you're going to try and hit. So you jump out as far as you can. So we are down on the ground in Mudder Village, listening to music pump and um, everybody who's finished the races and all the X, the spectators are just around watching everybody finish this race. And we see this girl on top of frequent flyer and she doesn't want to jump. And she's up there for, I think at the time that we saw her 25 or 30 minutes. I think a little bit longer,
1: honestly. I think she'd been there a little bit longer. And it, um, I'm I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Sean at that point, because all the starting waves are completely done. And Sean had gone up there and he'd been talking with her, um, and trying to, you know, help motivate her to, to get her to jump off and all that stuff. And he was completely exhausted. He's like, she's not going to do it. She's just not going to do it. Um, Clinton, who was the the finish line MC, uh, had been trying to motivate her, and Clinton is just as awesome as, as Sean is, um, and those two are probably the best tandem duo in, in just about every. One hundred percent. Yeah, th- those guys are, the, are are the absolute greatest. Um, I hadn't been down uh, in there. I what it, what had really happened is I was just finishing the race. And I was like, I'm not doing the electric shop no more because <laughs> I'm an adult and I don't have to. <laughs> um, so uh and I was like, I want to go claim this this really high structure and jump into this map. I'm so excited, I'm so looking forward to doing this. I love doing that kind of thing. And um so I get up there and I see Sean and go like, what's going on, man? And he's like, Oh, I'm just trying to help out this this fellow mutter and he's like she's scared to jump but she won't do it and this and i'm like oh okay i go do you mind if i help out and uh he's like yeah sure i was like all right hold on a second i'm gonna jump off this thing first because i want (laughs) to finish so I, i go and i jump off and then i i run right right around and i climb back up the structure so i'm gonna
0: interject right here because we so i'm standing around with a group of people and at this point everybody's cheering her on but everybody's also starting to take bets on whether she's actually gonna jump oh really and i see you go back around now I don't know if you remember this or not but you grabbed me and you were like Amber let's go so um I because remember we this was my first time that's right that's right so um I looked at the person next to me before you told me to come with you and I was like 100% she jumps like Corey is on her way up to talk to her there is no way this woman doesn't jump right now yeah so you and I go up
1: go ahead okay so we we get to the, the the top of the structure and I think the one mistake, listen, I'm not a superhero. Okay. Um, I disagree. And, and, but you and, and I, I appreciate like, Oh, you hype me up and you build me up and everything. Um, one of the things I, I think maybe my, my superpower is, or something I'm extraordinarily uh, good at is that I'm able to connect with people on a very emotional level and I'm able to do so because I, I put myself in, in their position and I, I think about it from their perspective on, on anything, okay? Uh, I make it less about me and I make it more about them. So when I got up, when I climbed up there, I just wanted to first, I understood that she was terrified. She, she was embarrassed. She'd been up there a long time, but she also, because she'd been up there a long time, she wanted to finish and- wow. She was just looking for the right words to help get her there. And everyone who had tried tirelessly before me just hadn't found the right words yet. And so I wanted to first start off just by reassuring this girl like, hey, let's just calm down for a second, okay? And we're we're gonna get it out of your head. Let me let me just get to know you for, for a quick minute. Did you have a great time today? Didn't you have fun? Blah blah blah. Do you know how long this this uh, how long did it take you to do these other obstacles? Like one minute, you know, thirty seconds, uh, two minutes, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. Guess how long this one's gonna take? It's gonna take four seconds max, all right? And it's gonna take about a second and a half for you to go from the top to the bottom and all that stuff. I go but you've been building this up so much that it's it's this great giant feat, and you've allow, allowed fear to overcome you at this point um and so you have all this built up energy and it's 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 causing paralysis okay so we're gonna get very very technical at the, at the moment and all i need you to do is <laughs> just expel all this pent up energy and everything, all right? So we're gonna come back to this platform right over here and uh, I need you to do whatever I tell you to do. And I, go, and I go, I promise if you just listen to me and you do it, you'll be successful. And she goes, okay. She's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like. I want you to start doing some push ups. <laughs> Just start doing some push ups. Drop down, do some push ups. Amber, join her. And, and everything. And, uh, you know, Amber's like right there doing push ups. This girl's doing push ups. Like, all right, get on your feet. Let's start doing some jumping jacks. And then I start telling like a couple stupid jokes, like dad jokes, like stuff that is really corny, really stupid. All right. And it's getting them out of their head, getting out, getting them out of their mindset. And kind of I was like, all right. And, and then I distract her. I'm like, all right, now go run jump. And she's like, she went ran over the edge and she like freaked out and turned around. And she's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it's like, well, it's okay. All right, just start doing some more push ups then. And she's like, what? I'm just like, I'm tired. Like, I don't care if you're tired or not. Just start doing some push ups. You wanna be successful, right? You wanna you want to complete the obstacle? Fine, do some push ups. Boom, boom, boom. All right, let's go do some high knees. Now let's do some tummy jacks. Now let's do some sit ups. Now let's do some push ups again. And I think, and she got out of her mind, I'm like, listen, I believe in you. All right, you wanna be successful. All right? Aren't you, aren't you sick and tired of allowing fear to overcome your life? Like, don't you want to be the inspiration? Don't you want to be the person who, who faced that obstacle, faced that challenge and overcame it? Don't you want to be the leader of your life? Don't you want to be the champion? Don't you want to show all those people down there how amazing, and incredible you are? And they want to see you succeed. Don't you want to see you succeed? She's like, yes, I do. I'm going to jump off this snake. And she did.
0: I know. So it's so crazy. Um, I've been on the receiving end of um, your motivation many, many times, but to be able to watch you take somebody who had been, you've never met this girl. And first of all, you get her to do pushups. Like I would never do push-ups for somebody I've never met before. Like screw you. But no, um, to be able to know what the mind needs to be able to get somebody to jump off. So she jumps off and, um, she was so happy that she had finished that race and I know
1: yeah she cried at the end. she
0: did yeah and she was giving everybody after you forced me to jump you jerk
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah let's finish this story <laughs> for real okay this girl jumps off this thing all right and we're like oh my god like everyone the crowd goes wild all right Like the Cubs just won the World Series for the first time. Okay. So I'm like, awesome. And Amber's like, this is so great. You're the best, Corey. All right, I'll see you at the bottom. And she goes to turn around and start going down the damn ladder. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, "Uh, I'm going down. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We did not just come all the way for you to climb back down the ladder. If that girlfriend went off the edge, so are you.
0: Oh, so um, it was amazing for me to jump. I was so glad I did it. Anybody who knows me knows that I am terrified of heights. And over the last two years, I've gotten a lot better at that. I no longer cry on the top of eight foot walls, but um, this was a huge, like, step for me, but I'll never forget Corey being like, what are you, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going back down. He's like, not that way. You're not. (laughs) Um, So I bring this story up because, um, number one, I want to highlight, and I've, if I've said this already in the short time that this podcast has been going, and I will say it countless times in the future. But I want to highlight the way that physical fitness and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone in a physical arena impacts your mental state throughout your entire life. And I think that's the reason that Tough Mudder has had such a big impact on my life and on the lives of most people who run it, because it is impossible for you to push yourself out of your comfort zone and believe in yourself and then not carry that on to the rest of your life. Yeah. But the other reason that I tell this story and the other reason that I want to highlight it is because I want to ask you when you realized that you had like the gift of inspiration. Like when did you realize that you had the ability to inspire people to get the best out of themselves?
1: Um, I've, I've always been a people person. I love people. And I think if you ask the majority of human beings uh, what they want to do in life, I think the common answer that you're going to get is something where they, they want to help people. All right, and some people are able to go uh, be doctors and help people that way. Others are uh, attorneys like yourself, and that they, they can help people in that fashion. Um, I do not have the intellectual capabilities <laughs> to or skills to be able to do those uh, those jobs. And I was fortunate enough um, that fitness really clicked. And it wasn't until later in life that I, I recognized that. The benefit that I have over over a lot of people because there's there's a lot of people that get into the fitness industry uh, like straight out of college or something like they know that's the industry that they want to go into. I I never had any clue that or honestly a desire, and and it wasn't until I got out of campaigns and elections and I started working in that fit in the fitness industry that I recognized how great of a passion that I had for it and it was. Specifically because I was helping people turn around their lives. And all I was doing, all right, it was, there was no magic bullet or anything on it. It's just that I had gone through the exact same thing that they had just gone through. And I remembered it. That's and awesome. I, every single day, every single person that I talked to, I just put myself back in their shoes. And I genuinely remember what it was like after taking off all that time after getting out of the military and being a part of the couch potato brigade of uh, just drinking and eating and celebrating and not doing nothing and being lazy and and, uh, and how hard challenging it is to take those first steps, how s- scary it is and the fear of, not living up to who you used to be and the judgment of others that that is such a heavy weight that we apply to ourselves and my main goal right now is to help everyone overlook all that and realize the opinions of others do not matter right who you were who you were before is still inside of you and I'm gonna help you find that person. Because I'm a very firm believer, and I, I, I tell this to everybody, is that we all have a little demon and champion or angel inside of us. And that and the problem is, is that that demon voice is extremely loud. And it's like, you're not strong enough, you're not capable, you're too tired, everybody's watching, all right? And we listen to that, like, it's the end all be all voice. and because we give it, we feed it the attention, it becomes extremely powerful. Well, but there's two sides to that coin and we have to remember that we also have that, that angel, that champion inside of us, but we've put it in a prison to feed the demon and it's my job to break that champion out, all right? All I'm doing is helping you recognize your strength, your power, your potential.
0: I love it. I love it, man. And so now you have the perfect platform to do that with Tough Mudder Bootcamp. Um, talk about what what was it about Tough Mudder Bootcamp that made you know that that was the right relationship for you to invest in and grow your business and, and make that commitment?
1: Well, I've been I've been with the, my previous gym for over five years and my growth had stalled. Um, I wasn't getting the, the enjoyment and the value out of it, uh, as much as I, I was before. And it, it was just that I had plateaued and I was ready for a new challenge and all the stuff that really excited, excited me about it previously about the old gym was no longer as exciting. Um, it, and at that point it had felt like it had become like a regular job and, I wanted to grow as a man uh, more and so initially when the opportunity was presented to me to to go in this direction, I, I wasn't interested in it I, on at that point I was I was already burned out on on tough mutters because I'd, I'd ran so many of them I'd been in, so deeply entrenched in the community. I was, I was just ready for a change in, in general. I wanted, I wanted more out of life. I had, I had allowed it to consume too much of me and all the great things about Tough Mudder that I initially fell in love with it had kind of that kind of transformed it into something else. And, um, and I, I missed what it was originally about and it was not just the community, but even, even the corporation itself had, had, had changed. And so initially I wasn't, I wasn't very receptive. Uh, But then I had, I had some friends who pulled me aside and would just give this unrelenting full court press on Corey. You have the opportunity to build it the exact way in which you believe is the right way. If anyone understands the, the ethos of what Tough Mudder truly is, it's you, and you almost have a responsibility and obligation to share that.
0: That's amazing, and it's <clears throat> obviously working out well for you, so I want to give you a minute to kind of talk about what you do at Tough Mudder Bootcamp and what makes it so special in a place for people to come and work out.
1: Okay, so real fast, uh, we do group fitness training. And our classes are 45 minutes of high intensity interval uh, training that practices functional fitness, all right? And functional fitness is exercises that complement the natural movements of your body, all right? Uh, There's a lot of different studios out there. Um, What's really great and special about ours is that first and foremost, our, our main goal is for you to really feel that sense of community, all right? we understand how terrifying it is to come through the door, all right? That is the biggest obstacle, regardless of what studio or gym that you're a part of or any endeavor. It's showing up and putting in the work, all right? Just getting there. And so we wanna make it as an inviting environment as possible. And we cater to all skill levels. It doesn't matter if you've never worked out in your life or if you are a pro athlete. Everyone is going to be able to walk away with the exact same experience of, oh, my God, I just accomplished something. And with the way that it's structured, because it's, it's all circuit based, we have six different stations around the room that people rotate between. Um, and all the workouts, all, all the exercises are all partner based. So we put people together of a similar skill set so we can have someone who's never worked out before in the exact same class as, a, as say, a pro athlete. And because we pair people up appropriately, they're all getting, uh, that, that same experience. And so we coach accordingly and that seasoned athlete, we know what they're capable of, and we're going to push them even more. That person who's, who's never shown up before, um, who's never worked out before, we're going to coach to them as well. What's going to be best for them. And Are they going to need modifications? Are they going to need adjustments? Absolutely. Um, You know, but we want to create an environment where egos are not allowed. And regardless of how minor your achievement or uh, something that you accomplish, however minor you might believe it is, we are going to celebrate that and build your foundation for you to be absolutely successful.
0: That's great. So um, the information for how you can find Corey and Tough Mutter Bootcamp will be in um, the show notes, but you can find Tough Mutter Bootcamp on Instagram and Facebook at Tough Mudder Bootcamp. Um, I want to talk about, um, and and we've sprinkled this throughout the interview already, but this podcast was born out of this idea that too often, and 100% in my case, we don't define our own idea of success and we don't live our own life. We live a life that we think we should be living to be what society calls successful. So I believe that your idea of success changes throughout your life as you grow and as your values change. If you had to define success right now, what does success mean to you?
1: Am I happy in our middle state? Okay. Um, that really that's it because, and I've, I've held positions uh, where I've made uh, a very significant income and been completely miserable. And I've been, uh, I've done stuff that, that I've enjoyed and been broke. Um, and now I, I've really, I've done so much self self-growth um, when I was younger I, I cared so much about what every single person thought about me I wanted to be everyone's friend I wanted to be so well liked and I needed that validation um, and thank God with age <laughs> that went away
0: yeah um, I think it I think it is an age thing. Um, I know there's I mean there's a few people that can truly say that they have, carved their own path their entire life. But for the most part, I think most people fall into that category of trying to make people happy until you realize that you're sacrificing your own happiness and fulfillment for others. Um, because success is so inwardly defined in everybody, everybody has this different idea of it and they project that idea of success onto other people. So I'm interested to know whether there's ever been a time in your life where everybody kept telling you that you were successful and you just felt completely empty and unfulfilled.
1: Um, I would maybe, Maybe towards the end of of working in campaigns and elections, probably probably at that point i I was just so unhappy because my my professional level was overflowing in in accomplishment and achievement uh, but my personal aspect was bone dry, and I really wanted to have life and family and I had zero, zero balance and it had been too long. I, and I, and what was, what was crazy is that I saw the path that I was on and it wasn't going to change. And so I was willing to sacrifice all of that for, for something else. And what was really great is that I've been on this crazy journey where I worked, you know, I right out of high school, I I went in the ring court and out of there, I went, you know, back to Colorado uh, and I did did all these different jobs and then moved to Las Vegas and and I worked in a plethora of different industries and, and done, done so much that I understood and knew that there would, there would always be another path there would always be another path. It might not be your ideal path, but as long as you put everything you had into it, you would you would be you would find some some form of success in there. Okay? So, I knew that I hadn't found any single industry that was 100% oh my god, I found my 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 calling in life. I've never found that. I've been happy, I've been successful, but something else come along. And it's it's like dating, like, oh, you know, when you're in your early twenties, like, oh my God, this person, <laughs> I'm never gonna find love again. Well, that's crap. You know, there's there's not just one single person out there for you, there are other people, you know, you go out there and meet them. And, and I believe the same thing with, with, uh, with your profession. You know, if you're not completely happy, there's other stuff. The question is, are you willing to make the sacrifices
0: 100 percent. 100 um i i definitely agree it does not matter what um what profession you are in if you are not in the um mindset and you're not willing to go out and sacrifice to accomplish what you need to accomplish that success and fulfillment is not going to be something that you stumble on it's something that you work at and it takes a lot of time to figure out what that is for you Um, so a couple things before we wrap up, I want to know if there is a resource or a book or podcast or what you rely on when you need to like recharge and just get your mindset, right?
1: Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Gary V. V. Yeah. You and I talk a lot about
0: that. Um, Gary V is pretty powerful and he holds no punches. Like
1: I love it. Um, I, I think if anyone is really going to occupy a space and really change the mindset and direction of a of, of mass of, of people it, it's scary he's had such a, an incredible impact on my way of thinking and my actions that I've helped share with other people um, if if you get the opportunity he's an acquired taste all right um, but if you put in if you listen, He's so genuine. He is so 100%. I mean, I don't think he's,
0: I don't think he's capable of being any other way. Like he's, he's really worked so hard at that and I love it.
1: And Um, that's, I, that's why I truly, I consume so much of his content because he's just, he, he just wants the world to be better. Yeah. He's not looking at it for monetary gain. He has so much other, uh, through his personal business, so much income coming in that he can give all this other stuff away for free that you know he doesn't have all these ulterior motives like the other people do.
0: One hundred percent. He preaches so much about provide value, provide value, provide value before you ask mm-hmm. for anything. So it's amazing. Yes. Before we go, tell everybody where they can find you on your social media if they want to follow you and be inspired by you every day like I am.
1: OK, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can just find me at Corey Drumwright. Uh, Cory is spelled C-O-R-Y. Drumright is D as in David. R-U-M as in Mary. R-I-G-H-T.
0: If you are in the Las Vegas area, check out Tough Mutter Bootcamp. Go meet Corey. Um, you won't regret it. So, Come give you. me a high five. <laughs> the high five director of high fives. That's what your name tag said it, Tough Mutter.
1: Oh, what? next time we talk one time, let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a really funny high five story. How I almost got fired for a job because I was giving away too many high fives.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you, Corey, for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Awesome.